Well, it's been another huge week in travel. Flight Centre has seen more closures. Corporate travel management has made a major acquisition. Hello World shares have been suspended over accounting issues. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel with a revised timetable for the restart of travel. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper. And this is News on the Fly. Like all businesses in the travel industry, Flight Centre is having to make some really tough decisions and this week announced the next stage of its network restructure with about 90 more shops to close and a bunch of additional job losses. Clearly, border closures are a key factor in this, but what's the overall strategy behind it? This is, I guess, what a whole lot of Flight Centre staff have been waiting for and, you know, there may even be a feeling of relief that the hammer has finally fallen. Way back at the start of the pandemic in March, yes, I know it seems like a lifetime ago, Flightsetter announced they would close 428 stores in Australia as part of a major network review. So far, only about 330 um, have closed, and so it's kind of mopping up the end of that process. The company said this week the changes would reduce overlap between shops in high-density areas, leaving it with a total of 332 of its flagship Flight Centre branded outlets across the country basically implementing what had previously been flagged. Of course, the ongoing international and domestic border closures and government decisions have had a massive hit on travel demand. But there is also definitely a strategy behind it too, with the company saying the stores it has left behind have been carefully chosen to still be accessible by about 95% of the Australian population. And so do you think we'll see more cuts from Flight Centre in the future? Uh, Look, I think this is the end of this round. Um, You know, unless things really deteriorate further, and how can they? You know, I think this is the end of it. But it's definitely going to take a while for things to ramp up. The company said even though it's going to keep those 330 um, red and white stores, about 60 of them are going to stay closed for the next 6 to 12 months while heavy travel restrictions are still in place. And it should also be pointed out that while this is a massive contraction of the company's retail network, there's plenty of other stuff going on within Flight Centre. And I think you'd have to say that coronavirus has massively accelerated a transformation of the business, which had to happen in the long run anyway. There's a migration to rapidly growing online businesses, expansion of call centre operations and also the My Holidays Ignite business, a focus on premium leisure through travel associates and of course the home of the travel entrepreneur home-based initiatives which are rolling out through the Travel Partners brand that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So the company's definitely looking towards a brighter future even though it's going to look very different. Yeah, very different indeed. And another publicly listed company that's definitely looking towards a transformed future is Corporate Travel Management, which this week announced a major acquisition in the USA. Can you tell us the story there? Yeah, look, CTM CEO Jamie Ferris, he's always got a smile on his face and he's been amazingly pretty upbeat despite the COVID-19 pandemic. After really cutting staff numbers and expenses heavily right in the early days of the downturn, and that early action seems to have positioned himself well to be right on the front foot. He said that it's a good time to be taking advantage of opportunities, and he's always on the hunt. But I think the deal they announced this week is a real game changer. It's the acquisition of a reasonably large corporate travel business in the USA, Nebraska-based travel and transport. They're paying about $275 million Australian dollars for the company, or $200 million US. Travel and transport's been around for more than 70 years, in fact, and its CEO, a bloke called Kevin O'Malley, he's going to take over as head of CTM in the USA. It definitely is a big move, massively expands CTM's 
uh, American TTV, a major expansion of its presence in the USA. Before COVID-19 hit, travel and transport was transacting about $4 billion in TTV. So that's really bulking up CTM's global turnover, um, which once the deal settles is estimated to be about $10.8 billion Australian annually. And so what do you think drove this deal in particular? As I said, Jamie is well known for being a constant acquirer of businesses, and that's definitely how he's built CTM to its current size. But looking at this one, I think it is really an excellent fit. Uh, Travel and transport has a really complementary business mix to CTMs. There's heaps of transatlantic customers on the key New York to London route, pharmaceuticals, um, other major corporates. It's a highly respected company, obviously got a very long history of operations, but I think also they have been limited in their technology where CTM brings its lightning online booking tool to the table and other technology as well. So it's a really good mix. Something that is also really interesting in terms of the Australian market is that Travel and Transport also owns Radius Travel. That's a business it purchased from the now collapsed Cox and Kings a few years ago. In the ASX release, CTM mentioned that Radius runs a major corporate hotel program. That'll definitely bring benefits to the company's clients. But Also, Radius has its own global network of TMCs, including CT Partners in Australia. So that's all getting a little complicated. You're going to have CT Partners, which is part of Radius, which is now going to be owned by corporate travel management, which of course will have its own supplier deals. I suspect things are also pretty complicated at CT Partners anyway, because one of its key members, Orbit World Travel, House of Travel owned uh, from New Zealand, has just joined Travel Leaders, which is yet another global TMC network. And of course, CT lost one of its biggest members last year when Hello World acquired Travel Edge. I have been chasing CT for some comment on what's happening, but at the moment, uh, they've got nothing to report. Very confusing indeed. I feel like I need a mind map. Uh, And also in the listed travel company area, Hello World looks to have received a speeding ticket from the Australian Security Exchange over some irregularities in its accounts. What's that all about? Yeah, well, this is a bit of a mystery. Um, It popped up out of nowhere, and it's a little bit more than a speeding ticket. Well, perhaps you might say it's a four-point offence because they've actually taken away Hello World's driver's licence and impounded their car. They've suspended the company's shares from trading until it gets sorted out. Hello World's blaming the whole thing on a technical oversight, saying that it didn't include some you know, particular wording in the release of its unaudited accounts, which would have allowed it to delay the formal audited figures until the 15th of October. But effectively, the ASX is saying the company has failed to lodge the relevant report by the due date. The timing of the full year results did seem a bit curious. They were due by the 31st of August, but usually they come out a couple of weeks before that. But this year we've had to wait right until about 7.30pm on that final day. Now it's a month later, the audited accounts still haven't come out. Hello World is still saying it's a technical oversight, but I guess we'll find out soon enough because it is definitely a bad look. When you're a public company, you don't want to be keeping your investors waiting for audited accounts, whatever the reason. Travel Daily continues to cover all the big industry issues, and this month we have a special blockbuster series of major interviews with industry leaders in partnership with the Travel Industry Hub. The October CEO Conversation series every Wednesday will see Bruce Piper speak to Herdegrutin's MD Damien Perry on the 7th of October, followed by Covermore Travel Insurance CEO Judith Crompton on the 14th of October. Following week, we have the Travel Corporation Global CEO, Brett Tolman, talking to Bruce from Los Angeles 
and the month of interviews wraps up with a highly anticipated one-on-one with Webjet CEO John Gooksick on the 28th of October. Registrations are essential for these unmissable interviews. Sign up for free at thetravelindustryhub.com. That's thetravelindustryhub.com. This week, the Tourism Restart Task Force has released a revised timetable which indicates we could see the recommencement of cruising in local waters soon. How likely do you think that is to actually happen? Look, I think that as we've seen with the swift relaxation of some state border closures in the last week or so, the same thing might happen with cruising. But there's, I should highlight, there's definitely nothing official at this stage. Back in May, we published the first proposed timetable from this task force, but unfortunately that ended up being wildly inaccurate basically because of the way COVID-19 was handled in Victoria. Anyway, this week they endorsed version 2.0, and if it's correct, then there is some reason to start getting a little bit excited. This is a pretty high-powered group. Um, Flight Centre CEO Graham Turner's on it, so is Tourism Australia Chairman Bob East. They're senior accommodation and tourism leaders and also um, you know, stakeholders from various government bodies. So I'm hoping they know more than is being made public. In this revised timetable, they say they are what industry believes are realistic restart targets under the current COVID-19 conditions. And they reckon domestic small ship expedition cruising could get going as early as next month, followed pretty quickly by an expansion to bigger ships and into New Zealand and the Pacific. In fact, a full resumption of sort of unlimited cruising by domestic passengers is envisaged by March next year, as well as a dropping of hotel quarantine caps. So fingers and toes are crossed. I'm sure we'll hear more in the next few weeks, particularly in terms of cruising and a trans-Tasman bubble once the New Zealand election is over. Um, I think that's scheduled for the 17th of October, and let's hope things move quickly after that. Let's hope so. And also this week, we've had some big news from P&O with the departure of Pacific Dawn. She's been sailing locally for many years, so that seemed like a pretty sad moment for the industry. Um, yes, look, this is the end of an era, and while it's not unexpected, it's been on the cards for a while, it has come a little bit sooner than previously expected. Pacific Dawn was billed as Australia's first ever superliner when she started sailing out of Sydney in late 2007. I was actually there uh, for the ceremony when she joined the P&O fleet. Cathy Freeman was there, it was uh, six years after she'd won gold at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Uh, she became the godmother, it was a pretty big deal. Anyway, Dawn had already been set to leave. She'd been sold to CMV, Cruise and Maritime Voyages, but unfortunately CMV's gone into administration, so her future was really up in the air. This week they announced they found another buyer and she'll be leaving the fleet basically before there's any restart of cruising post-COVID-19. It does seem to be a particularly poignant moment for Stura Mermel, who heads up Carnival Australia. Uh, he was P&O's head of hotel operations back then, and so he would have helped set up a lot of the protocols on board Pacific Dawn, and of course has overseen 13 years of her operations now. And of course P&O's got a fleet plan, they'll have new ships joining in future years, so it's just a part of cruising life. Interestingly, um, her sister ship Pacific Aria was also going to CMV. The company at this stage is not commenting on whether they found a new buyer for her as well. And finally, despite all the doom and gloom, this week we hosted the inaugural Travel Daily Awards to honour the contributions of travel agents and suppliers in supporting one another throughout this awful pandemic. 
All the winners and photos from the day are now online at awards.traveldaily.com.au. And in 2021, we plan to run a real live award ceremony. How exciting. So watch out for more information in the coming months on the 2021 Travel Daily Travel Industry Awards. That's all for this week. Thank you always for listening. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We will be back next week with more news on the fly.